presented by American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Thursday, February 15th. Here's what's driving the day. As our friends at Inside Congress put it last night, it was another day, another headache for Mike Johnson. The Speaker was forced to scrap plans to take up a bill reauthorizing a controversial spying power. This is a surveillance authority meant to target foreigners, but which has come under fire for its ability to sweep in Americans' information. The reason won't surprise you. Divisions in the GOP conference. Freedom Caucus types are pushing for a new warrant requirement for wiretapping, while Intelligence Committee Republicans are balking. It is, we'll remind you, the second time Johnson has faceplanted on this issue. He tried to do the same in December, but had to delay the bill's consideration yet again. And while there are divisions in the conference about how to proceed, both sides are united in one area, a belief that Johnson's indecisiveness about how to handle this matter is becoming a problem. As one congressional aide told Inside Congress, the one universal consensus left right hawk dove reformer is that Johnson has no idea what he's doing. Yesterday, House Intelligence Chairman Mike Turner set Washington a Twitter when he urged members of Congress to head to the skiff and view classified material concerning a, quote, grave national security threat. Turner also called Biden to declassify the information that he said was related to a, quote, destabilizing foreign military capability. ABC News scooped yesterday that the intelligence concerns Russians trying to put a nuclear weapon into space, not to drop it on Earth, but to use it against satellites. Now, that difference won't exactly make me sleep well, but keep an eye on this space. It will be interesting to see if this news changes the dynamic in Congress about helping Ukraine defeat Russia and reauthorizing this spying authority. As for what's driving the day, Trump's legal issues are once again in the spotlight. There are two major hearings happening today in two areas of the country, hearings that are going to impact the former president's future trials, and specifically whether they'll happen before the election. In New York, a Manhattan-based judge will decide whether the hush money case against Trump can move to trial as scheduled on March 25th. And in Georgia, Trump and his co-defendants are seeking to disqualify Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis from leading her sweeping election interference case. That effort was triggered by news of her affair with one of the prosecutors on the case. And joining me now to chat about these two big legal cases is our legal editor, James Ramoser. Good morning, James. Hi, Rachel. How's it going? It's good. So let's go to New York first. Uh, What are the top things you're watching for in the courtroom today? Well, the key question is whether the judge in Trump's New York hush money trial is going to keep the trial on track to start on March 25th. That is the current date that the trial is scheduled to begin. Uh, Trump has asked for the case to be thrown out altogether, which I think is pretty unlikely. Um, But in lieu of that, Trump is also, of course, going to try to push for delays, as he has in all of those cases. And so we are likely going to hear today from the judge about whether he intends to bring this case to trial on March 25th, just, you know, five or six weeks away. And if he does that, it will be the first criminal trial that Donald Trump faces in 2024, because his other criminal cases have been subject to quite protracted delays. Yeah, the delay tactics. Uh, Trump has used this for years in all different types of litigation, including with Congress, by the way, James. I covered uh, him dragging out legal cases with House Democrats for a long time. He's very good at this. Whatever you but- think of Trump's legal strategies and, and his lawyering, the one thing that he has mastered over his career is using the 
delays in the court system and throwing sand in the gears of the legal process to his advantage. He's done that in his many civil problems, and he's doing it this year in his criminal cases. Absolutely. So many consider this case to be the least serious of those facing Trump. Beyond, you know, delaying a potential trial, are there other implications uh, for Trump that we should be watching for today? I think it's right that this case poses the least amount of risk, both politically and in terms of potential prison time, because I think even if he's found guilty here, he's unlikely to face much of any prison time in the case. And it's I think the charges are the least likely to hurt him politically because most people already understand that he had an affair with Stormy Daniels. Um, and so just in terms of the gravity of the charges, these don't seem to rise to the level of what he's accused of doing in his three other criminal cases, essentially subverting the 2020 election um, and hoarding classified documents after he left the White House. So I, I do think that's right. I will say, though, that the district attorney who's bringing these charges in New York has framed the case as a sort of election interference case. The argument is that Trump arranged these cover-up payments in the final weeks of the 2016 election. We got to go all the way back to 2016 when Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. And the argument from district attorney Alvin Bragg is that he arranged the hush money to shield this story from hurting him from coming out in that critical political period and hurting him in the final days of the campaign. And so it is kind of a form of, you know, election interference. And it's not simply sort of a a technical case about bookkeeping, as uh, Trump and his allies have described it. Yeah, it's giving me flashbacks to the summer of what was that? The summer of 2019, when I remember uh, the judiciary chairman, then judiciary chairman, Jerry Nadler, wanted to really delve into this matter. Nancy Pelosi would not let him do it because she was worried that, you know, going after sex and stuff like that uh, would just have political blowback. But Nadler made this the same case that you're making here, which is like this was about an election interference, potentially. But uh, it's so interesting that it's all coming to the fore years later. So let's move to Georgia which has obviously taken a very interesting turn with these revelations about DA Fannie Willis's relationship with a fellow prosecutor, Nathan Wade, which Trump's team is trying to use to disqualify this election interference case against him. What impact could that case have and what are you looking for today? I think it's unlikely that the allegations about the romantic relationship between these two prosecutors will result in the case getting tossed altogether. I don't think that the case will be thrown out entirely. But what there is a risk uh, is that the prosecutors could be disqualified from the case, which would which would necessitate that an entirely new prosecutorial team would have to come in and essentially start from scratch and get up to speed. So it would cause months of delays and disruption if Fannie Willis and her team really is disqualified due to these um, allegations of impropriety. And so that's how it could seriously affect the case. We have, again, this recurring theme of Trump using delays to his advantage. Yeah. And remind me, James, I should know this. Is this going to be broadcast live on national television? I don't know if it'll be on national television, but it will be on YouTube. 
I was going to say, I mean, it may not affect the case, but obviously, you know, in terms of how voters uh, look at what's going on there, Trump is definitely going to use that toward his advantage. Uh, last question for you regarding um, this situation with Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade. Could this delay the timeline in this case? Like how big of a delay could Trump try to push for because of the scandal? Well, it would really depend. I mean, like I was saying, if they really are thrown off the case, then you'd have to bring in new prosecutors to right. uh, take over. And that process definitely could take you know months or, or longer. Um, you know, depending on what it would look like and, and who, who was brought in. Obviously, it's an incredibly complex, sprawling, racketeering case. So it's not just a simple thing where you could sub in some other prosecutor from some other county and, you know, have them just proceed, you know, the next day. You'd have a lot of catch up to do. And it's it's possible that a new prosecutor might see the facts quite differently than Fonnie Wells does have a completely different strategy, maybe, you know, drop some of the charges or change some of the charges. So it would really create a a ton of disruption. Well, James, you're going to be busy today. Thanks for starting your morning with us. Always happy to be here. Thanks again. And for the rest of your schedule today, the House is in, the Senate is out on recess. I'm Rachel Bade, and thanks for listening. The EPA is set to finalize a regulation designed to end the sale of new gas and diesel cars regardless of what drivers want, need, and can afford. Polling shows that Americans think the Biden EPA is moving too far too fast. President Biden, stop the EPA's car ban. Vehicle policies can't just work for some of us, they should work for all of us.